The WLEW Sports Network presents The Strong Side with Clark Ramsey, Dave Hansen, and Paul P. Adams. The Strong Side is presented by Active Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine, Randy's Hunting Center, 269 Guns, Thumb Bank and Trust, Thompson Chevrolet, Go Thompson, and Sure Health. Better health, better life. You're listening to the WLEW Sports Network, powered by AgriValley Services. The first week of the postseason is complete, and four area teams are still in business. Good evening, and welcome to the WLEW Sports Network's presentation of The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021. I'm Clark Ramsey, your host, and joining me tonight is a true professional. He even has license to prove it. Please welcome Dave Hansen. Thank you, Clark. Paul, good to see you. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't be there tonight, but uh, I'm so glad the strong side is back and uh, looking forward to recapping uh, what happened over the weekend. With us in studio is the sports editor of the Huron County View, Paul P. Adams. Yeah, it's, it's great to be back on the strong side. I got a whole season of takes pent up. I don't know if an hour is going to be enough. We had some surprising yet not surprising outcomes from Friday night's action. The Lakers take care of Reese on the road. Marlette blinks Cass City. Ubley wins by 29 over Harbor Beach. North Huron wins at home, but the Hatchets fall short by just a touchdown at Hemlock, and Deckerville loses at home. Yeah, looking at a couple of these games, how about them Bearcats, guys? They, they take out their rival by 29. Uh, absolutely a dominating performance. And uh, the other one for me, how about the Lakers, man? They, they are on a roll. They, they put it together at the right time. They are rolling. It's going to be a tough team to beat. If you'd have told me that the score of the Cassidy uh, Marlette game was going to be twenty-eight to nothing, I would have believed you. I wouldn't have believed you. If you told me Marlette was going to be the one beating Cassidy. That to me, most surprising game. Can't wait to dig into that one. It's an all-in-depth look at the first week of the playoffs, and it's all right here on Sports Radio one hundred two one in live and worldwide at wwsports.com with Clark Ramsey, Dave Hanson, and Paul P. Adams from the Huron County View. The Strong Side is presented by Thumb Bank and Trust, Active Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine, Randy's Hunting Center, Thompson Chevrolet and Wolverine Auto Brokers, and Sure Health. Better health, better life. Are you sure? Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on the WNLW Sports Network, your home for high school football all season long. Right here on Sunday Night Action of The Strong Side. Listening to the WLW Sports Network on Sports Radio 1021 and live and worldwide at WLWSports.com. We apologize if we sound a little weird. We're still trying to figure things out. Of course, it's the first strong side since the preseason. So, of course, some things are going to go haywire, and we can certainly assure that, especially on Halloween night. We had one week of postseason football upon us, and it is complete. And now let's take a look at that scoreboard from the first week of the postseason. We'll start out in eight-player football in Division One. The only local team in Division One of eight-player football was the Deckerville Eagles, and their season is complete. They lose at home to Britain Deerfield, 36-14. They did not score until the second half, and it was already 20-0 at that point in 36-14, the final there for Deckerville. Of course, Britain Deerfield now goes on to play the defending state champions in Division One. Adrian Lenaway, Christian the Cougars, took out Vesterberg 47-0. In 
in eight-player football. Division two, the Augre Sims Wolverines hold tough with the Peck Pirates, but the Wolverines hold strong in the second half, unlike the other game on Saturday. Oh. 68-42, Augre Sims takes out Peck. Peck finishes the season at 6-4. and four. North Huron played on Friday night. And they posted the Sacred Heart Irish, and for the second time this season, North Huron takes out Sacred Heart 48-21. We'll have more on this one later. On the other side of the bracket, Morris takes out Climax Scott's 50 nothing, as their quarterback had another big night of 177 yards and two touchdowns on just seven carries. For the season, he's over the 2,000-yard mark with 42 touchdowns. And they'll be playing Colin, who took out Portland St. Patrick 35-13. to Portland St. Patrick, of course, the team that made it to this at least the state semifinals for the last four years. What stands out to me the most is eight-player football is the best we've ever seen it. Uh, these were these matchups in the first round, these are matchups we used to seeing in the semifinals. That's how good some of these games were and how good both of the fields in Division One and Two are. Uh, I, I just think as the as the playoffs progress, we're just going to see more and more just great games like, like we saw this weekend. Oh, they're going to get even more competitive. That's that's the beauty about it. But uh, how about our North Huron Warriors, man, coming out and just taking it to the Sacred Heart, the Irish, man. With all those guys coming back, we thought Sacred Heart could be a danger to them, but no chance. North Huron absolutely smokes them, and I love to see it. In 11-player football in Division 7, the Elks and Pigeon Bayport Lakers took to the road to take on the Reese Rockets for the second time this season, and they avenge a loss from early in the season, 49-6 in commanding fashion for the Elks and Pigeon Bayport Lakers. They go on to play Hemlock, who took out the Bad Axe Hatchets 20-12 in a rain-filled, mud-filled night in Hemlock, Michigan. On the other side of the bracket, Puam Westphalia takes out Ithaca 42-7 in huge fashion in New Lothrop. And Montrose face off in Montrose, and New Lothrop wins thirty-four to seven. That that Lakers game, uh, I, I picked Lakers to win that game, so I'm not surprised. But there's no way I would have believed it would have been forty-nine to six, and the way the Lakers did it. We'll we'll get into this game later, but this was all running all day long on one play. Basically, I talked to Coach Lavasser earlier today, and they they had their way with an off tackle with Zach Crutchmer. It was it was beautiful for them. Absolutely impressive. We talked to the, the Lakers coaching staff uh, after they upset the uh, Bad Axe Hatchets in Bad Axe, and they told us, they said, we had Reese the first time. We knew what we needed to do. We had him. We just didn't do it. And they said, this Bad Axe win shows us that we are ready. And he says, we can beat any of these teams that we have lost to. We can beat them all now. And they are showing that. In Division 8, the elderly Bearcats hosted the High Reach Fires for the second time this season. Ubley wins 35-6. to on the other side of the bracket, Marlette blanks Cass City 28-0. On the other side of the region, Breckenridge blanks Vassar 26-0. And Fowler blanks Flint Beecher 28-0. Well, we're going to talk about the ugly game. Uh, that, that, to me, is still the, the, the game that sticks out the most. 35-6, to uh, you know, congratulations to Dave on the, on the media roundtable for having the over. I didn't believe it. I just didn't believe that ugly would be able to really have their, absolutely have their way with Harbor Beach. Uh, there's no other way to put it. Yeah, trust me, I wasn't that confident in the pick either, but the Bearcats have this type of ability. and we, we know if their defense shows up, their offense is very tough to stop. Evan Peruski's a stud. There's no way around it. But uh, I, I was still absolutely shocked that Cass City could not move the ball on Marlette. Just, uh, I'm, I'm very impressed with Marlette. Congratulations to them. They proved a lot of us wrong because I thought in that, in that weather, they'd no way they'd be able to throw the football, and they didn't. They found a way to run the ball, and Cass City had no answer. Well, let's talk about the Ubley Bearcats and Harbor Beach Pirates of the Game of the Week on the WLW Sports Network. 
And the Ubley Bearcats strike first just 49 seconds into the ballgame when Evan Peruski breaks out for an 80-yard run into the end zone. The PAT from Brett Mueller is good, makes it 7-0 Ubley. It's halfway through the second quarter, moving on, no score from Harbor Beach in that first quarter. In the second quarter, Ubley with a Logan Mueller two-yard run, the PAT from Mueller is good, makes it 14-0 Ubley, and that would be the score at halftime. In the third quarter, Harbor Beach strikes first two minutes into the third quarter. As Tanton Babcock connects with Jace Knoblock in a 22-yard pass, the two-point conversion fails. It's an eight-point lead for the Ubley Bearcats, 14-6. Five and a half minutes later, Ubley responds with an Evan Bruski second touchdown of the night with a 17-yard run. The PAT from Brett Mueller is good, makes it 21-6. On to the fourth quarter, just five seconds into the fourth quarter. On the first play of the fourth, Mark Heilig strikes from six yards out on the run. PAT from Mueller is good, 28-6, and then tack on one more score for the fun of it. Evan Bruski with another run into the end zone, his third score of the night. PAT from Mueller makes it 35-6, your final score. Ubley takes out Harbor Beach twice this season and advances with a 10-0 record to the district championship. That was the first time ever that Ubley has beaten Harbor, beaten Harbor Beach twice in the same season. Uh, that that's a, that's a heck of an accomplishment. Harbor Beach has done it a couple times to Ubley, but never the other way around. Uh, but what really stands out, 47 carries, 410 yards, three guys over 100 yards rushing for Ubley. That's the first time since Coach Eric Sweeney has been at the helm that, that he's had three guys over 100 yards. That is absolute balance. Ubley had their way, every way, shape, and form. They had the trap going off tackle and running Peruski around the end. Usually, Ubley will settle for one of those. When you have all three of those going, uh, Ubley is almost impossible to stop, and they, they were. Uh, credit to Harbor Beach, though. Got back into the game. 14 to nothing, and it was 14 to 6. They carved Ubley up on that first offensive possession of the second half, and then that was it. Uh, and, and I think a lot of that, you know, s some people will, will blame maybe the Harbor Beach play calling. I say give credit to the Ubley defense. Give, co give coach, uh, defensive coordinator Jim Becker a lot of credit. They made adjustments on the fly, and they really took away everything Harbor Beach wanted to do. They made Harbor Beach one-dimensional, 105 yards on 31 carries. Harbor Beach, again, against Ubley, could not establish the run. And when you know what your opponent's going to do, it's pretty easy to defend them. No question about it, but I got to start and end with Evan, Evan Bruski. I mean, talk about a, a kid that's really put a lot of this team on his back. I mean, Mark Heilig has been excellent. Uh, it was nice to see Obersky get it going. We saw Logan Mueller the week before kind of be the second half hero for this team. But when he come out, second play of the game, normally Ubley warms up that wing tee, maybe middle of the second quarter. You'll see the quarterback keep it. Play number two after the Harbor Beach defense comes out and makes a stop for no game. I know Clark looked at me. I looked at Clark at the same time. I'm like, oh, Harbor Beach's defense Maybe they're going to keep it in this game. Evan Peruski, no thanks. Turns it right upfield, 80 yards, nobody near him. Makes a guy miss in the backfield. Harbeach had him. Peruski makes a miss. And just that type of big playability is what is going to keep Ubley in games, whether they get off to a slow start or whether they come out dominating. It's the big plays that they have. Mark Heilig got a big one later in the second quarter. That big playability for the wing tee makes them dangerous week in and week out. I know it doesn't sound like it, but Harbor Beach's defense played better in this game. Coach Eric Sweeney said as much. Uh, Ubley had to work for most of what it got. You know, we had you talk about the big play with Peruski, and there was a big run from Heilig. But for the most part, from there on out, Ubley was grinding out drives, and that's the kind of of Ubley offense that you want to see in the playoffs. Grinding out drives don't depend on the big plays. Uh, for me, 
biggest drive of the game was was when uh, Peruski scored for the second time. Fourth and three, midfield. He was corralled. They had three Harbor Beach defenders had him corralled. He made a move, got the first down. They kept on going. I believe that was a 10-play drive uh, covering 70-some yards. That was the, the play and the drive of the game, and I think that's what broke Harbor Beach's back. Absolutely a momentum killer, and we talked about that. We talked about a couple things. Uh, I remember we, we talked to Clark on the air was just be patient. You know, Ubley hasn't really had trouble running the ball on anybody this year, and it was a lot of three and four and two and three-yard gains, and it's just be patient. You keep doing that. The defense will make a mistake. The defense will wear down. You'll get that big one, and they came. And eventually, like you said, in the second half, that was a back-breaking drive. I'm glad you mentioned that because Harbor Beach just had thought they figured something out in Ubley, nice five, six, seven-minute drive, typical Ubley fashion, goes right down the field, answers the call, connects on that all-important extra point, and just put them away. Harbor Beach then, they, they tried to do anything they could. I would have liked to see them come out and play the spread a little earlier, a little more often, because I think Tanton Babcock is that what – what Bruski is doubly is what Babcock can do for Harbor Beach. I'd like to see him sling it around a little more. Uh, you know, running head to, heads up with Ubley is not a real easy thing to do. Would like to have seen that, but I don't think the score would have mattered too much. I think this was Ubley's game, and I think Ubley's destined for a nice run. And frankly, if for everyone listening, we're not quite sure why we sound like we're uh, drinking helium by the gallon here tonight, but uh, we do apologize. We'll figure this out eventually if you want to listen to us in our full voice quality. The strong side will be available on WLWSports.com after 8 p.m. Uh, altogether, Evan Pruski led the rushing attack for the LA Bearcats with 11 carries, 148 yards, and three scores. Kyle Nabruski, 11 carries, 112 yards. And Mark Heilig, 16 carries for 111 yards and one score. As well as Logan Mueller, 9 carries for 39 yards and one touchdown. For the Harbor Beach Pirates, they're led by Luke Woodkey with 10 carries for 40 yards. Tanton Babcock, the quarterback, 9 carries, 30 yards, and one fumble. Jacob Boom, 7 carries for 24 yards. Through the air, Babcock was 8 of 11 for 101 yards and 1 touchdown. That's a 72% completion rate for 10. Babcock, the junior, he'll return. Evan Bruski, he did not complete a pass because he didn't attempt a pass because they didn't need to as they accrued 410 total yards of rushing on 47 carries for 5 scores. 8 first downs, both teams had 8 first downs. And when I look at it, really, the Ellie Bearcats dominated like you said, Dave, Kind of, they just were waiting for that big play, and when it did happen, they took advantage of it, and they struck every single time they had to. Come off the field. That offense put up points every time they had to. They can score quick. They can score in slow seven, eight, nine, ten minute fashion. They can really do whatever they want with the football, and it starts with the veteran coaching staff. I know Eric Sweeney's only in the second year, but he's been a part of this program. He played in this program. Uh, grew this program. You, you still see, you know, friendly faces, uh, you know, Chuck Wright and, and Dave Kaufman. You see Bill Sweeney come to the games. There's a ton of support by some of these guys that come out of the Jerry Herb, you know, Bill Sweeney coaching tree. And you can just see it year in and year out. Fundamentally, they're solid. They don't make penalties. They're undersized and they still block guys that are bigger than them. And, I, and that impresses me year in and year out. While all together, Hobley will then travel to their own home field. Once again, they have home field advantage for the district championship as they will host the Marlette Red Raiders this coming Friday at 7 p.m. Coverage on Sports Radio 1021 will begin at 6 p.m. with kickoff at 7 p.m. this coming Friday in November 
as Marlette enters the game with a 7-3 record, winning two in a row since losing to Harbor Beach in triple overtime. It's time for a short break. When we return, we'll take a look at the Elkton Pigeon Mayport Lakers in the Reese Rockets right here on the WLW Sports Network. Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021 and live and worldwide at WLWSports.com. Clark Ramsey, Dave Hansen, and Paul P. Adams sucking as much helium as we possibly can tonight. We're not quite sure what's going on if you're just tuning in. For whatever reason, we decided to raise our voices by an entire octave, and yet I'm still one octave too low. All right, let's <laughs> talk about the Division 7 teams here. The Elkton Pigeon Bayport Lakers traveled to Reese to avenge a uh, loss just a few weeks ago. And they made it count. That was three weeks ago. As Lakers strikes uh, actually on their first possession, turnover on downs on their very first possession of the game. And then Lake Reese actually could not do anything as well. The Lakers gets the ball back and with 4.31 left in the, the first quarter. Zach Kretschmer strikes from 27 yards out on the run. The PAT from PAT from Managet is good. Makes it 7-0. Lakers leading. Two minutes later, actually less than two minutes later, Peyton Kinney blocks a punt recovered by Michael Good in the end zone for the score. The PAT is good from Managet, makes it 14-0. 13 seconds left in the first quarter, Reese recovers a Kretschmer fumble at midfield. Then, in the second quarter, eight minutes left in the first half, Reese is stopped on fourth and one at Lakers' six-yard line. The red zone defense for the Lakers holds strong, and then they march down the field all the way down for 27 seconds before the half is over. Connor McCain with a 14-yard pass to Dylan Wainer for the score. The PAT from Managet is good. It makes it 21-0. Lakers entering halftime. Nope, not so fast. Lakers kicks off with about 15 seconds left in the first half. And Demarcus Palmritter makes it count with 92-yard kick return for the score. And it'll be Reese's only score of the night. The PAT would be blocked by Lakers. It'd be 21-6 of the half. In the third quarter, two more scores from the Lakers. One from Zach Kretschmer, another from Connor McCain. Connor McCain would again score in the fourth quarter, as well as Logan Carlson. Russell made it 49-6. Lakers takes out Reese in the first week of the postseason to go to the district championship to take on Hemlock on the road against Hemlock in a location still too to be determined. Hemlock's field is in such poor condition, Hemlock cannot host the game, so they are still trying to find a location and a time for this Lakers at Hemlock, I should say Lakers versus Hemlock game, somewhere in mid-Michigan this coming Friday or Saturday. Tom Managet, the foreign exchange student from France, 7 for 7 on point afters this tonight. A heck of a kicker, a heck of a performance from the Elkton Pigeon Bayport Lakers. And, and let me just say, whenever they find out when that game is going to be played, when it's going to be played, Lakers is winning that game. This team is is performing so well. And you go back to the Bad Axe game. The, I think Dave mentioned it earlier. The Bad Axe game was the catalyst for this team. It showed them what they've been working on can work and and if they believe in it and keep executing it's finally going to crack it did against Tavos when they put up 68 points in the regular season they put up 49 on a pretty darn good Reese team and the the real key to me is this was a horrible field condition game and we all know Lakers likes to sling it around McCain was just two for five for 53 yards and a touchdown. So all the damage came on the ground, and most of that damage came from Zach Kretschmer, 19 carries, 191 yards, 
on one play, off tackle to the right side. I talked to Coach Lavasser today. He said we ran that play about 85% of our offensive plays. So when it was working, it was going. And, uh, you know, don't change it if it's not broke. Yeah, looking at the game specifically, that stop on fourth and goal from the, or fourth and one from the six yard line to me is it was kind of the the statement of that whole thing because yes they were up fourteen to nothing but Reese scores there it might change how things go but instead they're able to to make that stop drive all the way down the field utilize all the clock and go ahead and score and I think putting up twenty one nothing I don't even think that that kick return even mattered to them they considered that a fluke they went in the locker room got back and scored four more times with unanswered in the second half. I, I just, I love how this team is, is responding and before they would fall apart. Oh no, here comes the run. We're all done. Not anymore. Not this team. They, they don't have their number one running back. Kretschmer stepped up in a big way. I had my doubts with McCain too, but I love what he's doing. A couple passes for big plays. Look at him carry the ball. 16 carries, 98 yards, two touchdowns, taking the heat off Kretschmer. Those guys are really working and carrying this team. That is going to be huge for them going into next week's game. Lakers, Zach Kretschmer led the rushing attack with 19 carries for 191 yards and two scores. Connor McCain, 16 carries, 98 yards and two scores. And Logan Carlson-Russell, four carries for 54 yards and one touchdown. Through the air, Connor McCain, two for five for 40%, 53 yards and one score. All those throws going to Dylan Wainer, the two receptions for 53 yards and the touchdown. The only stat we have to Marcus Palmerer, one reception for 11 yards for the Reese Rockets. Lakers, like we said, goes on to play the Hemlock Huskies, who defeated Badax on Friday. And Lakers scoring on every possession except for two, that rear first possession, that which is a turnover and downs, and that third possession, which was a fumble. Otherwise, Lakers really, ever since that Badax game, has been firing on all cylinders, and it's starting to show, and they could make a run here to a very beatable Hemlock team. I, I agree 100%, and it started with finding themselves with the running game. Early in the season, up until that bad axe game, uh, it was been primarily the, the pass for, for Lakers, and, and that had worked for the most part, but they kind of made themselves one-dimensional. And a lot of the other thing that kind of goes unnoticed is Lakers probably has dealt with more injuries than any other team, and a lot of those players are getting healthy now. So you have this combination of players getting healthy, and these players are getting used to this this really new offense that that Coach Lavasser has has implemented, and it's, it's all clicked at the right time. And Lakers are one of the, the they're hot. They're hot when you want to be. They're peaking at the right time. And uh, I, I truly believe that uh, they are going to win this this game with Hemlock, and they're going to win it by a couple touchdowns. I think so too. And uh, I think you the biggest point there is you got to remember newer coaching staff, brand new offense. I mean, totally different. They're the only ones in this area that run it, and it takes time. And then you take guys coming in and out of the lineup, and then people moving around and taking those people's places. It just took forever for them to get a steady lineup week in and week out where they can play the same guys in the same positions. And you're seeing it now. McCain has been the quarterback. Kretschmer is the go-to back. Collison Russell is the is the counter change of pace back. Obviously, Wainer is the the playmaker through the air. They have these weapons now, and they've been playing multiple weeks in a row. You're seeing now what they're capable of, and it's coming at the perfect time. The Elkton Pigeon Bayport Lakers will play Hemlock, and they took out the Bad Axe Hatches this past Friday. Let's talk about that game. 
In the first quarter, Bannix gets the ball first. The three and out punt is blocked at Bannix's 26-yard line. And Hemlock scores with 9.06 remaining in the first quarter with a Max Dininger 24-yard pass to Bryce Murphy. The two-point conversion fails. It's 6-0 Hemlock out of the gates. Bannix then returns with your next drive, and Keaton Brown throws an interception at Hemlock's 32-yard line. And Hemlock, five minutes later, 4.09 left in the first quarter. Hemlock strikes for the second time tonight. Robert Knappick, 17 yards out from a run. Two-point conversion fails. It's 12-0. Bad X's next possession, another three and out. And this time they punt uh, with their backup punter. The punt goes negative six yards to Bad X's 16-yard line. And Hemlock converts very quickly thereafter with 49 seconds left in the first quarter. Hemlock, with their third score of the night, makes it 20-0. In the second quarter, Bannock's then with another three-and-out punt. Hemlock then with a three-and-out punt. Bannock's defense starting to show up. And then with 5.30 left in the second quarter, Bannock's is Keaton Brown with a 52-yard pass to Drayden Romas. The two-point conversion failed. It's 20-6. to Bannock's on the board, trailing by just two possessions. 3.49 left in the second quarter. Hemlock with a three-and-out punt. And then here's where it gets a little interesting. Bannock's fumbles a pitch at Hemlock's 47-yard line. It's recovered by the Huskies. And then they throw an interception with six seconds left in the first half, so it's 20-6 to six at the half. No scoring in the third quarter. Hemlock fumbles at the Bad X 40-yard line. Bad X cannot convert on fourth down as they have a drop pass of the Hemlock 30-yard line on that fourth down. Moving into the fourth quarter, Bad X with another turnover on downs at their own 28-yard line. And then Hemlock can't take advantage. They have a three-and-out punt from Bad X's 28-yard line, which would result in a touchback. Into the fourth quarter, two minutes and 22 seconds left. Devin Howard with a 62-yard run, and then McPhee with a 12-yard catch on fourth down, converting, and then Keaton Brown runs it in from four yards out. The two-point conversion fails. It's 20-12. to Hemlock then cannot convert, tries to punt, and then all of a sudden, you wouldn't believe it, on all weekends... Oh, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free! And Badax has the ball at the Hemlock 35-yard line, and then Badax tries to throw downfield. It's an incomplete pass. There's offensive pass interference. And then it was intercepted at Hemlock's 15-yard line, and that would be the end of the game. Bad Axe falls short with a plethora of injuries on their side. 20-12, to 12, Hemlock wins and takes on Lakers this coming week. That was uncalled for. Uh-huh. <laughs> Had to. But what stands out to me, um, if you just look at the pure numbers, Bad Axe should win this game. Rush for 148 yards, Hemlock rushes for 59. Uh, passing pretty similar, Hemlock 79, uh, Bad Axe 52. But... It comes down to turnovers. Two interceptions for Bad Axe and a fumbled loss. Hemlock did lose a fumble, but Hemlock's plus two in the turnovers. And right there you have it. A 20-6 to game, a one-possession game, and it comes down to turnovers. Um, it, it, this was definitely a winnable game. It got away from Bad Axe in the first quarter, unfortunately. Uh, but Bad Axe really fought well in the in the, the rest of the way the third you know next three quarters shut them out gave themselves an opportunity to win this game and uh you know what 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 hasn't been said is bad X is banged up i mean they were missing some key components to this team uh, griffin Meinhold didn't play that is uh that's that's a huge loss for them uh evan shank another big loss for them so uh you know they had a week to 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 uh get used to it but the when you're missing those kind of components and and they've been big pieces all year, um, you know, you, you were faced an uphill challenge, but bad X almost pulled it off. I, I know you're going to mention the turnovers, of course, but uh, I got to start with special teams. Um, you, you take, you think Griffin Meinhold, you think, you know, guy that can play quarterback, running back and catch the ball. He returns kicks on special teams, but Oh, by the way, he's your punter. And I think that part of the game is what cost him. 
very beginning of the game, the first quarter, three and out, they get a punt blocked. So great field position for Hemlock. A little bit later in the first quarter, maybe it was the second quarter, you see a punt that goes for negative yardage. Negative yardage. There would have been a Clark's golf game joke there for sure. <laughs> it's just, it's one of those things. Those are scenarios where you look back at it and go, we should have just gone for it because at least we'd have had a chance. So <clears throat> the, the punting unit, the special teams, virtually gave Hemlock two of those scores. Uh, yes, turnovers are, are very bad, but this defense, again, missing some important pieces, really hung around even though they were given some pretty tough scenarios. And uh, I, think, yeah, I thought they hung in pretty well, but uh, turnovers, special teams, I can't even mention the two extra points they didn't get. Mine holds is pretty much automatic. So uh, tough loss for Bad X, a really good season, and the opposite of the Lakers, right? The Lakers heated up at the right time. Bad X, the wheels started to fall off with injuries in the, in the late in the season. So hopefully uh, a lot of this team is coming back. I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with next year. But with the way they played Hemlock, with how banged up they were, gives us a lot of confidence to believe that Lakers is going to take care of business next week. When you take a look at it, Hemlock had just 138 yards of offense with three scores on 28 plays altogether. You know, like you said, Dave, of course they had a lot of short fields to work with, so those stats are going to be a little skewed. But still, Bannock's defense held him in this game, and I really think, like you said, Lakers has a, has a great opportunity here to be district champs and move on to the regional. No question about it. I, like I said, just putting what we saw with Lakers playing against Bad X, that was a really competitive game that Lakers was able to hold on to. So now you can take a banged-up Bad X team uh, that was a one-score game with Hemlock, and they virtually gave them 14 of the first 20. Lakers on the other side takes out co-champ Reese in dominating fashion, scoring on every series but two. I, I just think that they are just rolling so good, and now Hemlock with the disaster at their home field, I just think all things point in favor to Lakers uh, taking care of business next week. And I just want to close the door on Bad X. Dave, you mentioned it. Uh, there's a lot of, lot of reason to be hopeful next year. Uh, most, the majority of this team, the core of this team, is set to return. And and we got we to gotta put into perspective, I mean, Bad X three or four years ago, five years ago, was, was everybody's homecoming game. This is a team that's gone back-to-back co-champions in the greater thumb west and the west is really tough so you know it's disappointing but i think when you when you sit back and look what bad X has accomplished over the last two years this has been a really impressive run and it's not the end yet for for the hatchets it's time for a short break when we return we're going to jump back down to division eight to take a look at the marlette red raiders and the cassidy red hawks right here on the wlw sports network being powered by anger valley services you're listening to the strong side Well, if you ever want to hear what Van Halen sounds like on a saloon piano, that's there you go. I'm still not sure what's going on with our voices here tonight, but stick with us. It'll be worth it. If you want to listen to it and not have your ears bleed, go to WNWSports.com and about by 8.30 we'll have the replay up on our replays tab as well as wherever you get your podcasts. We are also there. Tune in radio, Spotify, iTunes, literally wherever you get a podcast, search us, you'll find us. 
and your ears won't bleed later. You know, Clark, I don't like my voice on the radio. I can't imagine what it sounds like right now. Uh, let's let's not talk yeah. about it. Let's just push through this and get it done with. Marlette and Cassidy, they faced off in Marlette, and it was expected for Cassidy to show a pretty strong performance and perhaps even have a, a game against the Ubley Bearcats the next week. The Marlette Red Raiders had other plans, and three minutes into the uh, three minutes left in the first quarter, Marlette strikes first with a chisel, eleven yard run. The two point conversion fails. It's six nothing Marlette. In the second quarter, Marlette strikes again five minutes before the half is over with a Travis Fuller one-yard run. Two-point conversion, a Jason Tenbush quarterback keeper into the end zone makes it 14-0 Marlette. Before the half is over, though, two minutes later, Marlette scores on a Tenbush 61-yard pass to Grant Roberson. The PAT is blocked. It makes it 20-0 Marlette leading Cassidy at the half. The third quarter, no scoring whatsoever. In the fourth quarter, just five seconds into the fourth, Marlette with their fourth score of the night on a Colin Miller five-yard run. The two-point conversions brought in by Fuller on a catch makes it 28-0 Marlette. Marlette with 45 carries for 299 yards and three scores. One completion for 61 yards and another score. Cassidy held to just 91 yards on 39 carries. As uh, we're going up and down the sidelines uh, during the Ubley game, there was quite a bit of media coverage there. And as uh, we're hearing the updates come from this game, I mean, there's a buzz on the sidelines. Like, what is going on? Because Cass City was playing, was arguably one of the hottest teams not named Ubley going into the playoffs. I think we all expected Cass, this was a mere formality for Cass City. And, uh, you know, credit to Denny Lester and, and Marlette. Uh, they were like, hey, we're still here. You're playing at our place. And they kind of turned the tables on Cass City. Those 299 yards on 45 carries, that is, uh, that's Cass City territory there so uh you know this marlette team has ugly's full attention after beating a very very good cast city team shutting them out I, I just i'm still trying to process this game and uh um you know i, I don't think anybody saw that outside of marlette saw this outcome coming well, marlette had won six games so i mean it's not that they're a bad team they're a quality football team but their defense has not been the reason they've been talked about is the offense and they throw the football. So we just assumed with the way the weather was, the field conditions, throwing the ball wasn't going to be very easy. And it wasn't. They were one for five with an interception. Yes, the one completion went for 60 yards and a score, but 45 carries, 299 yards. Of course, people are interested, at least where we were at, because if Ubley wins, that's who they were going to play next. And I think everybody had their head scratching. I, I'm not sure what happened with Cass City? I really don't. Um, the only things I got talking to people that I know was Marlette was big. They played physical. They pushed us around. We couldn't do a thing. And that's the short version of it. But I'm not sure why or how. Cass City reverted back to week one, two, and three Cass City. They played like they were underclassmen. They played like they didn't have a lot of reps, apparently. And I think they were surprised, too, that Marlette was able to ground and pound them like an ugly would to you or like a, uh, an old school USA team would do to you and uh, credit to them. They adjusted the way the game was supposed to be played and with the way the weather condition was, and they powered through it pretty clean game for them. And Cassidy, a couple turnovers, some fumbles, not good. I talked to coach Sweeney today to get his thoughts on uh, playing Marlette. And uh, you know, I assume that Marlette's kind of, you know, it's the same kind of little spread run and gun team. Uh, they run, they run a lot of single wing power stuff. Um, and, uh, back in week three, when they played ugly coach Sweeney said it took them by surprise a little bit and it took them a while to adjust. So credit to, uh, Marlette for putting that in and, and becoming a little bit of a tougher, uh, 
ground team and uh you know they can still throw it a little bit too so this is going to be a quite an interesting game uh coming up in ugly this week keep in mind i think that game with ugly was tied 2020 if my memory 21 21 dave there you go. At halftime, I knew it was tied because we all had our eyes on that going, wow, is Marlette for real? Is Ubley not that good? It was early in the year, but uh, I'm pretty certain Ubley does what they do best. They made some adjustments and blew the doors off in the second half, but that doesn't mean Marlette won't be ready. Moving on, of course, with that game with between Marlette and Ubley will be the game of the week in the WLLB Sports Network. This Friday coverage starts at 6 p.m. from Ubley, Michigan. In eight-player football, the North Huron Warriors were hosting the Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart Irish and it was North Huron in dominating fashion. It was 24 nothing at half. 48-21 would be your final as North Huron puts up 24 points in each half. Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart gets on the board in the second half, but by that point it was too late and not enough. Will Case with 12 carries for 129 yards and two scores, averaging nearly 13 yards per carry. Mason Hatch, 20 carries, 110 yards and two scores. Brandon Henson, 11 carries, 47 yards. Landon Horetsky, 6 carries, 57 yards and a score. And John Henson, 1 carry for 1 yard. Will Case through the air, 3 receptions for 76 yards and 5 tries, 1 score. Mason Hatch, Brennan Henson, and Jordan Coleman, each with one reception, 37, 13, and 26 yards. Impressive. North, uh, North Heron doesn't run a wing tee because the wing tee in the eight-player football just doesn't translate. But what they've found is a way to power run. Uh, they know who they are. They know their identity, and uh, they're very comfortable with it. They are going to ground and pound you, and by the second half, you are going to be sick of it, and they are going to wear you down. That's what... North Huron's 10-0. They've done that to every single opponent this year, uh, and they did it again to Sacred Heart. I'm a little surprised by the ease that North Huron did it, did it this time around because the first time these teams met, it was 14-6 Sacred Heart at halftime. For this to be 24-0, uh, it just tells me that North Huron is is clicking. They really found themselves the last three weeks of the season, and, and they build. They're, they're con- continuing to build momentum and, uh, and just – do what they do best. Will Case, Mason Hatch, Brandon Henson, Landon Horetsky, they rush for over 340 yards, and that's what they want to do. And just because they rush, they can grind it out, but they can also hit you with big plays. I think uh, Will Case had, a, a, I think, a 70-yard run, something like that in this game. Um, so they can hit you in any in a, in a number of different ways uh, out of their, their base ground set. No question about it. And the play-action pass is then a very viable option for this team. Will Case is completely capable of beating you with his legs, has no problem making a big throw when the time is needed. And you saw in this game, they probably didn't need it, but it was just there. And you got to take it when that opportunity comes. He's only three for five, 76 yards and a score. He hits three different receivers, throws for a touchdown. This team could beat you in a lot of ways. And if they have to throw to keep up a little bit, they can flip the playbook over and do that in a heartbeat. This team is well coached. They're quite disciplined, and they are physical. North Huron then goes on to play Augre Sims. Both teams undefeated on the season at ten and zero apiece. Augre Sims, of course, took out Peck, and we'll re- preview that game just in a short bit. You're listening to the W at W Sports Network. It's time for one last break. When we return, we'll take a look at the second week of the postseason right here on the W at W Sports Network. Left side or right side? You're listening to the Strong Side.
Left side or right side, you're listening to The Strong Side on Sports Radio 1021. Clark Ramsey, Dave Hanson, and Paul P. Adams, even though we might not sound like ourselves. Like we said, you can listen to the replay in about a half hour on WLWSports.com, so your ears are not playing a trick or treat on you. Let's talk about uh, the next week of postseason football in the Greer Thumb Conference and Greer Thumb area in general. We'll start on eight-player football. North Huron Warriors, they travel on the road as the two-seed to the number one seed, Augury Sims, the Wolverines. Wolverines of Augury Sims struggled with Peck. I have a very good feeling about this North Huron game. I have a great feeling about this game. I think Augury struggled a little bit with Peck's physicality, and if they think Peck was physical, they haven't seen anything yet. North Heron is it prides itself on its physicality and its way to and its ability to dominate a game. I think this has the feeling of a 50 to 30 type game to me. Uh, I, I don't think Augury is going to be able to slow North Heron down. The fact that uh, Peck scored 42 points to me is so encouraging for North Huron. I, I think they're going to offensively have their way and uh, defensively North Huron is a great club. I, I think it go, you, you look at some of those scores, but you have to realize when some of those points were scored against North Huron, when the games were well in hand, North Huron's not a deep club. So, you know, they put the JVs in, in the, in the bench guys, but when, when that chips are down, that North Huron defense is as good as any defense in, in eight player football. Yeah, it, it, it Peck's a, a solid team in their own right, but to put up to give up 40 to Peck in this game really reassures me because North Huron didn't have too many troubles with Peck earlier in the year. That, so that game was 50 I, to 18, Dave, just exactly. a couple of weeks ago. Didn't have any issues, and it, it that's that's the difference. Is Augury Sims gave up 40 to this team, and it wasn't garbage time. It, Peck scored throughout the game, so it's not like this all came in the fourth quarter. So I fully agree with you guys. I think North Huron uh, should be favored in this game by a couple scores, and I'm with you. I, I think they probably win by 20 or 20 or more. Not to bring everyone down here a little bit, but the, unfortunately the, the winner of North Huron and Augury Sims gets to play either Colin, the Magi, who just took out Mount, uh, the Portland St. Patrick, or Morris. Colin is 8-1, and one, Morris is 10-0, and oh, and like we said, Morris's quarterback has 2,180 rushing yards on the season, 42 scores. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. North Huron, I think, has a very good chance against Agre Sims. In Division 7 football, the Elton Pigeon Bayport Lakers on the road taking on Hemlock in a location still to be determined. This game will not be played at Hemlock due to field conditions. Uh, before the Bad X game even started with Hemlock, the field was in horrendous shape. Dave, we remember that field last year when Cass City played there. It was squishy then. Can't imagine what it was like after the past two weeks of rain they've had. And Lakers and Hemlock on the other side of that dist- uh, re- region is New Lothrop and Puamo Westphalia. I really think the Lakers have a really good chance against Hemlock. I do too. I, I just I think uh, obviously the 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 outcome against Bad Axe twenty to twelve gives you reason to believe. But moreover, I think this is on Lakers. This this has to me has nothing to do with Hemlock. This has everything to do with Lakers. The momentum that Lakers has gained over the last three weeks, beating Bad X, beating Tawas, and and throttling Reese. I just think all everything's working offensively, def- defensively. The players are back where they need to be. Uh, Lakers, I think, wins this game by a couple scores. I do too. I just. Hemlock was not impressive against Bad X. Bad X, they, they took advantage of a vulnerable Bad X team and scraped by. Bad X had the ball last with a chance to extend that game. I don't think Lakers will give them that chance. I think Lakers comes out early and often, finds a weakness, and uh, puts up another 40, 50 points. In Division 8 football, of course, is the game of the week on the WLLB Sports Network from Ubley, Michigan. 
The Ugly Bearcats are hosting the Marlette Red Raiders. Marlette enters the game at 7-3. They have not lost since losing to Harbor Beach in triple overtime. Ugly, of course, at 10-0 on the season. The Red Raiders and Bearcats played earlier this season. And like we said, it was 21-21 in that first half. And then Ugly opened the barn doors in the second half. But I think this Marlette team has very much improved since that first time they played. Ugly, of course, has much improved as well. Their defense is getting better every single week. They now have the number one defense in the Greater Thumb Conference. They took out a uh, bad X. They flip-flop spots there. I think this should be a pretty good game, but I still think it favors the Ubley Bearcats. You're right, Clark. Ubley offensively really hasn't improved that much because Ubley offensively need hasn't needed to. That, that offense has been good from start to finish, but it has been the defense, and that, that was the biggest question coming into this season. How good could the ugly defense be? And it has gotten better and better and better. A little stat for you. Uh, Ubley's 10 opponents this year, not including K-Pack, which was a forfeit. Ubley has held six of those opponents to a season low. That's how good this defense is, including back-to-back against Baddox and Harbor Beach. Two of the best offenses in the Greater Thumb Conference have been absolutely bottled up by this this ugly defense. So I think this starts with the defense. I don't think Marlette's going to be able to get enough stops on defense and ugly's defense has so vastly improved. Yeah. There's some young guys up the middle that have really uh, evolved as the season's gone on and, and it comes with reps. It comes with playing time, but it comes with having great leaders and coaches around them. So no, no doubt about it. Ugly's the favorite in this game for us, Clark. We don't get to see Marlette very often. We've no, we been don't. For a long time. So I'm excited to see Marlette. I'm, I'm glad they're playing well. And I think they're going to give Ubley all they can handle. I just don't know for how long. Well, just for a little bit of recap and preview of Marlette here. On this season, they've rushed the ball 408 times for 2,345 yards and 35 touchdowns. That's an average of 5.7 yards per carry, and they average 234 yards per game. The Marlette Red Raiders, Jason Tenbush, their quarterback, 84 for 144 yards, He's thrown nine picks this season, completes 58% of his passes, has a 1,514 yards through the air, 18 touchdowns as well. And his favorite receiver is Grant Roberson, 33 receptions for 701 yards, nine touchdowns for Roberson. And then you have Travis Fuller, 29 receptions for 481 yards and five touchdowns. And then you have a couple of Tristan Creighton and Colin Miller in the the century mark there with 10 and six receptions apiece. Rushing the ball, they are led by Travis Fuller, 98 carries, 714 yards, 11 scores. Miles Parker, 126 carries for 680 yards. Kyler Chisholm, 81 carries for 536 yards. So nothing to sneeze at here. Marlette has one of the best offenses in the Greater Thumb Conference. But like you guys said already, Ubley's defense stifling Ubley's offense, the best of the conference as well. No one scores more points. No one holds their opponents to least points than the Ugly Bearcats. I think Marlette's best uh, recipe for success is Jason Tenbush. Uh, you're going to have to go through the air to beat Ubley. You're not going to outpower Ubley. Uh, that's, I, I just don't think you're going to be able to do that. I think they have a chance to run the football against them, but I think they're going to have to utilize this dual threat offense. They, they're a very good passing team. They've shown they can be a very good running team. I think they're going to have to really mix it up but work in the pass early, especially on first down. The Ubley Bearcats will host the Marlette Red Raiders this coming Friday on Sports Radio 1021 and live and worldwide at WLWSports.com. Coverage starts at 6 p.m. with Clark Ramsey, Dave Hanson, Doug Cole, and Dan Banky. We'll have also Paul P. Adams in the booth for our media roundtable. 
Dave Hansen takes another win on the Meteor Roundtable presented by Thompson Chevrolet this past week. Dave, is that four wins or five wins now for you? I think that's five. That's Clark. five. So he has a sizable lead over Paul P. Adams, who started out the season with two wins and nothing since. And uh, kind of like the Michigan Wolverines, oh. I suppose. Now I have to get my jabs in while I can. Certainly the Ohio State game is coming soon for the Michigan State Spartans. It was a great game in East Lansing, but I'm certainly glad to be back, and I'm looking forward to being back inside the booth, outside of the mist, this coming Friday. It should be a great game, Paul. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Like you guys, like you said, uh, and Dave said, we don't get, I don't get a chance to see Marlette very often, so it's nice to see something a little bit different in this district championship. And if uh, Ubley's fortunate enough, we're going to see it a little bit different in the regional championship, too. Well, it's going to all happen this Friday. Tune in to Sports Radio 1021. On behalf of Dave Hansen, Paul P. Adams, I'm Clark Ramsey. Thank you for listening. If you want to listen to our voices in normal stature, wait about a half hour. You'll hear it on WLWSports.com. Just click on the Replays tab. We'll see you Friday for the Game of the Week, Marlette in Ubley. This has been a presentation of the WLEW Sports Network. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Just search for WLEW Sports. Your home for high school football is the WLEW Sports Network.